Y'all, Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, <laughs> why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash stages go 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 find your healing go find your happy stages podcast is sponsored by better help that's h-e-l-p stages podcast is sponsored by glaze a good hair day can make you feel great and i'm one of those people that rarely takes the time to do my hair seriously i wake up and go most days so i tried glaze super gloss it's a semi-permanent super color conditioning gloss and i have to say yes it takes 10 minutes and it leaves your hair looking vibrant and silkier and smoother it's so quick and super easy i wake up and go and this is the kind of thing that i look for it's not a hair dye so there's no mixing no damage to your hair and it lasts up to 10 washes. Glaze Super Gloss is 100% vegan, cruelty-free, which you know is very important to me. The packaging is recyclable, also very important. It comes in nine gorgeous, lustrous shades. I tried Pearl Blonde, loved it. And Glaze Super Gloss has zero parabens, zero silicones, zero ammonia, and zero sulfates. So you don't have to worry about what you're putting on your body or rinsing down the drain back into the earth. All this, for only $16. And right now, Glaze is offering Stages listeners 15% off your order. So log on to Glaze Hair, that's G-L-A-Z-E hair.co, not com, just co, and use the code STAGES15 at checkout. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to glazehair.co and don't forget the code STAGES15 at checkout. You'll look great for the holidays. And now, Back to the show. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast, where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Welcome to our gratitude episode. Um, I would love, with your permission, ML, to um, start us off with a little poem. It's by Patricia Ellsberg, and it's called Open in Gratitude. So let's open this episode in gratitude. Open in gratitude for the breath that nourishes every cell in your body and has sustained you from the moment you were born. For the miracle of your body that, despite whatever weaknesses or limitation, serves you and allows you to sense the wonders of the world. For the brain that coordinates all the functions of your body without you even being aware of it. For the consciousness that allows you to perceive, feel, and be amazed. For the eyes that allow you to see the abounding beauty that surrounds you, colors and shapes, the face of a loved one. For the ears that enable you to hear birds singing, wind rustling in the leaves, words people say to you, and the laughter of children. For the sense of smell that allows you to enjoy the fragrance of flowers, the scent of fresh air, your favorite food. 
for your mouth and tongue that enable you to taste the fruits of the earth, to enjoy a ripe peach or a chocolate melting in your mouth, for the skin that protects you and yet allows you to touch the sense, the world, feel warmth, coolness, softness, and the touch of a loved one, for your heart that beats faithfully your whole life from even before you were born. Open to a sense of wonder and gratitude for the amazing gift of being awake and alive in this precious human form. The fact that we exist or that anything exists at all is a wondrous mystery. We all live in the midst of a miracle. Stephanie J. Block and Mary Lee Fairbanks to stage, please. Stephanie and Mary Lee to stage. Saren, we're for you. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in so long. You haven't. <laughs> Are you in the studio? You look very I'm professional. I'm in a meeting room right now. Wow. Well, listeners, what's happening with this episode is our doer of everything for us. Everything. Saren is going to ask us your questions. We didn't pick them. Nope. Sarah and pick them. We so didn't prep she, beforehand. We didn't prep. It's mm. all off the cuff. <laughs> I'm not nervous per se, but uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I feel like my lips aren't going to work and my brain isn't going to work. <laughs> You're way better at off the cuff than I am. So I don't know. We're in the hot seat. Saren, how do you feel being the, the sort of conduit with all the questions and our interviewer? I'm excited. I don't know. I'm also excited to like hear you guys just like not be prepared. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wanted to prepare and Stephanie was like, no, no, we shouldn't know the questions. We should just jump in. Like, I agree. I I just think it's fresher that way. I think, you know, whatever's on our hearts or our minds or our lips, I think that's the fun part of it. So thank you, everybody. This, these last, gosh, seven months. Is it been seven months? Well, it's been seven months since the three of us began. Yeah. But it's only been three months. August 1st was our first drop. That's right. Three and a half months. So that's pretty amazing. And it's grown so fast and it's been so fun. And the only way we grow is with y'all. So we're grateful that you're showing up, you're hearing and sharing. And um, these questions are all you. So thank you very much. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Let us begin. Be kind, um, Saren. I'm, be kind, Saren. I promise I will be. Okay. From at kbra14 or Kyle Brar on Instagram. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure musical or song to sing? Okay. The first thing that comes to mind, and it is my shower song. It is, I, I, I don't even know what it's from. I think it's from a musical called, what's the musical about patent leather shoes? Do you know that oh, music? Patent leather shoes reflect up. There you go. Yeah. So it's so sort of niche, but Barry Manilow <laughs> on his album of musical theater songs, um, it's called There's a Kid Inside and I have him with me. Oh, I've, I changed the Jenner and I have her with me always. There's a kid inside. And I don't know why I have sort of no connection necessarily to the musical. 
I do love Barry Manilow and I would go to his concerts and I would dress in sparkly vests hoping he would pick me because if you were picked by Barry Manilow, you could go on stage and share a duet with him. It was usually Mandy. And I was like, this could be it. This could be <laughs> my chance to be noticed at a Barry Manilow concert. So yeah, that's kind of my guilty go-to always pops in randomly in my head and I have to sing it in full voice every time. Well, it's funny because I don't really see it as a guilty pleasure because I'm such a nerd that literally the only music on my thing is musical theater or yoga music because I'm just a loser. Yoga music? What would you, uh, what is Well, that? I need it for my classes. <laughs> all that yoga stuff. Oh, you know, Tibetan balls. Yeah. Tibetan balls. Um, because I've just always had musical theater and not much more aside from like Prince, Earth, mm. Wind and Fire. Mm. And Luther Vandross, pretty much. Those were the only ones that were on my thing that weren't musical theater. For me, it's not really a guilty pleasure, but I I love, love Once on This Island. Oh, I just love every song on that album. I mean, every single song. And so I love to sing them because likely I would not get cast in it. I mean, maybe, but, you know. No, not anymore. I wouldn't get cast. But um, so, yeah, yeah, that's my one. Yep. A little waiting for life to begin. A little mama will provide. I mean, come on. You just get to belt it out at the top of your lungs. It's the best. See, I'm already doubting my answer. Isn't it weird? You already go (laughs) back and you're like, no, I mean, I'm sticking with it because that is what always pops in. And as soon as it does, I open my mouth and let it rip. So there you go. I am going to say though, my son, has his permit. He's going to have his license real soon. So we drive together a lot and he made a playlist for me. Oh, how sweet. Of Prince and Earth, Wind and Fire, uh, Elton John, like all the eighties, seventies stuff. And he blasts it in the car with me and he sings Prince with me. That's really sweet. I had a video of he and I just bopping down the street to Prince. And I sent it to my best friend from high school. And I was like, it was you and I at 16 bopping down the street to Prince. And now it's me and my son. I mean, that's cool. He makes yeah. me so happy. Oh, that's that he thought about you to put together. Um, Cause we used to call them mixed tapes. A mama mixed tape. together. A mama mixtape is so special. It's, what a guy. Isn't that I'm sweet? From my parents. <laughs> you did not do that for your parents. <laughs> <laughs> no. I make them listen to his show to every single time we're in the car and they hate it. <laughs> Next question from Emily Ristine or E. Ristine Holloway on Instagram. Um, Mary Lee, I loved hearing your spiritual perspective. Can you talk more about your influences? Let's see. I started learning about the chakras and all the energy work and all of that a long time ago. Was I had a friend out in California when I went out there and I was working and she was from China and she would do all these awesome energy things, but she didn't really have a name for it or know what she was doing. So she and I would just play around with it. And I just, that was my intro to it. But then as I started really learning, Louise Hay is amazing. And Anadea Judith is like the godmother of the chakras. And I love listening to her. I love anything that's like mind-body connection, the mind and the emotional state that we're in physically manifests in the body. I think that's really fascinating. And that's a lot of Louise Hay and a lot of Anadea Judith. When I was pregnant with Seb, 
that's when I got uh, cert- certified to do Reiki because I wanted to get certified while he was in my belly and he'd get all that good mojo from the Reiki and all of that. And then when he was born, I didn't want to go on the road and I didn't have the kind of career where I could stay in the city and work that much. So I decided, well, what else do I love? And the answer was yoga. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to dive into this while my son's young. And that way I can be home and be around and still be doing something that keeps me learning and having a lot of fun. From Ellie Karen or LEK526 on Instagram. I thought this question was really sweet and cute. So I wanted to include it. She says, my eight-year-old often listens with me and is always wondering, what are your favorite animals? Oh, Oh, well, how long is the podcast? Do we have her daughter's name? No, we don't. Okay. Um, I have quite an extensive giraffe collection. Um, There's something about the way their stride, there's something about just their their posture. There's something about when they give birth that this six foot animal just comes out of their bodies. I find them to be majestic, but silent and strong. I just think they're extraordinary. So I have a huge collection of those. I think both Mary Lee and I would attest that we're both dog people. The, just the energy of a dog, the unconditional love of a dog. Sometimes when I'm in the house, I'm like, well, well, we used to, God rest your soul, little sweet macaco. But the idea of just having a four-legged tailed furry creature share space with you and, and live in your home is wackadoodle to me. And yet I can't envision a life without a four-legged tailed furry creature living with us. Um, other animals, Well, it's so interesting because coming from safari, sharing that experience with you, of course, the gorillas made a massive impact on me. I didn't, I was told that they would, but I couldn't necessarily know how, what an impression they would make. And that's now forever changed my point of view. Pandas are amazing to me. And I guess anything that flies is just remarkable. How did you feel when you saw your giraffe in the wild? <laughs> I wept. Interestingly enough, the the musical theater gal in me was like, oh, I want them to have more color. You know, I was already <laughs> judging their color palette. <laughs> I was like, come on now, shine, shine. But just to see, I mean, it's amazing because you start from the Jeep, you're looking at one eye level for all the animals, all the animals. And then you'll look up to a particular tree. And at that eye level, that's when you see this, you know, gentle triangular head. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they're they're literally peering or floating above. And I think we got to see, we saw several that were by themselves. I only got one chance to see them sort of in their family or um uh, community dynamic. And mm. there were three of them together and it was really wonderful. And the geometric shapes that they would make, it was almost like an optical illusion, or maybe one of those ink blotches where you mm. see one thing looking at it. It's, and they were standing together one in front of the other. And so all you could really see are their bums and their heads facing mm. in different, mm. and then they would move slowly. And then one little head would go in one direction. And it became like this interesting geometric optical illusion, almost like a, um, what do you call them? Kaleidoscope. Kaleidoscope, which was so beautiful. And I felt an instant calm. 
That's what mm. I felt when I saw them, a real instant calm. I mean, I love so many animals. I'm obviously dogs because I have a house full of them and I do definitely love dogs, but and gorillas is a big one for me. But I would also say dolphins. There's something about a dolphin. I would love to swim with one in the wild. You know, I think that would be so amazing. I would not go to one of those dolphin captured places. I, I did it once when I was really young and I didn't understand how bad it was for the dolphins. I like joyful animals. Dogs are just so filled with joy. If you just like let them up on your couch or on your bed, they're just so filled with joy to be there. And dolphins feel like that. That's what I love about them. From at Beachin723 um, on Twitter. Oh, their name is Faye Coronotis. Yes. Oh, gosh. I actually know Faye. I've met her a couple times. She, too, is a a writer. Hello, Faye. I'm sorry if I messed up your last name. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have anyone on, who would be your dream guests and why? Living or dead? Ooh, yeah. Let's do, yeah, living or dead. Oh, gosh. First person that came to mind was Audrey Hepburn because she's just a class act. Um, She was able to use, well, she's iconic. Her art form, I feel, has never been matched. And that's not a competitive sort of sentence. It's, there was such a singular way that she would look into a camera even her fashion was a singular look like you can think of Audrey Hepburn and know what that is and then she turned her passions and energy toward service and humanity it just feels like a real full bodied life and i would love to have a chat with her i think if i could have anybody i, I would want jane goodall i met her once very briefly but i was too chicken to ask her any questions and now that i feel like I've sort of freed myself up to ask questions by starting this whole endeavor. I would have a ton of questions for her. I just like the way she jumped into life and the way she didn't care what anybody thought. And she just does things her own way. And she seems to have a real connection with the earth and with everything on it, I think is really remarkable. I'd like to throw in Michelle Obama. Oh, yes, please. I love her. Oh my God. Gosh. Love her. Everything about everything. Her. When Obama was running, I was like, yeah, 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 I like him. And then she came on the scene. That's right. And I was like, that's it. If she picked him, <laughs> then he's got to be okay because she's awesome. She's oh, that's a good one. Yep. There's a lot of people. I would actually like to have Muhammad Ali. Because I watched that documentary, that series with him, with my son, and because my boy's way, way, way into boxing. And he seems like a really courageous guy. He's a trailblazer. I mean, totally was. Yeah. But, you know, flawed, very flawed as well. There's a million people I would love to have on this podcast. I liked all of those answers, just like from my own observation. Like, those are all people that I would say are just like truly good at heart. Yeah. Who would you pick, Saren? Oh my God, who would I pick? I wasn't even thinking about it. Oh, I have one more. Jimmy Stewart, my childhood crush. Jimmy Stewart. Oh man, you don't know. I mean, my easy answer would be like Taylor Swift because I really love Taylor Swift. (laughs) Oh, you Tay Tay. (laughs) Swifty. 
but like a real, like, I would love to like talk to this person about their life and their philosophy. Sondheim. Oh, yes, please. At his core, he's a teacher. So I think he would love to speak on, um, not necessarily his, you know, his resume and the high points uh, of him being in this industry, but just really to the core and the fundamentals of what makes him him. And the, from what I know, the relationship between him and his mother, that complicated relationship, the, the striving for perfection. And I just think that would be out of control. Well, I mean, so many people have already interviewed him. So who are we to think we might get something different out of him? But I think ego aside, just sitting and knowing that for 45 minutes, there's a concentrated conversation between the three or four of us. Well, selfishly, it'd be the, one of the high points of my life. (laughs) Yeah. I would, I would love that. I thought of my answer. Okay. Okay. I would love to interview Jane Fonda. Oh yeah. She'd be awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't got into deep conversations with her, but I have met her. I have been able to sit with her for a good 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. She's a force. You all, she is. a. She force. seems like someone where like very fun to interview, but also like I would come out of that with my whole like life perspective changed. From at Maldal or Molly on Instagram. I was, I recognized it because in my head, I thought M-A-U-L-I. I can see her on Instagram. I see her little handle on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she says, Mary Lee, I'd love to hear more about your thyroid cancer journey from a fellow thyroid cancer survivor. Uh, well, good for you for um, being healthy and happy and strong and getting through it. I think for me, what happened was I knew that something was wrong for a long time and I kept getting turned away by my doctor. I would go in and say, you know, I think something's wrong with my thyroid. I can't sleep. My heart's doing this. This is what I'm feeling. And I would sort of get pet on the head and told, oh, well, welcome to menopause or, oh, well, that's motherhood. You're tired and sort of dismissed. And I think that happens a lot. We get dismissed. We learn to second guess what we know. Finally, after literally five years of going back and forth and being told, well, everything's in normal range in my blood work, but knowing in my heart that I was not well, finally, I demanded a scan and I got one and it was shown that I had thyroid cancer and they took it out. I had to do the radiation treatment because at that point it had gone on so long, it was in all my lymph nodes. So I had to remove a lot of lymph nodes. And, but I also feel like it's a very curable cancer, although it comes with a lot of complications living without a thyroid. I feel very fortunate that I'm completely fine now. And, um, I've learned to work around some of the things that are (laughs) a struggle without a thyroid, but, but mostly I really feel fine. And I really learned to listen to myself and not be turned away when I know I'm right. Um, That's my only regret is that I let it go on for so long without demanding that I be seen the way I wanted to be seen. Amen. You have to be your own advocate. And by that, I mean, you seek the advice of experts. You ask a lot of questions to those who have maybe been through a similar experience, but you have to counterbalance that with your own body and your own self-knowledge. You have to listen to yourself, to what you know is true for you individually and not be made to feel like your thoughts or your questions are stupid. 
you know, and if someone's making you feel that way, whether it's a doctor or a spouse or a family member or a friend, then mm, you might want to rethink those relationships, you know? I also feel like, especially as women, we're taught to not necessarily take that stuff seriously, but put it on the back burner. Mm. You know, like if we feel like there's something off because, you know, we're taught that there's other things to do. We have other people to take care of and we're like our last priority. Yeah, that's definitely true. Okay. Next question Um, from at Brenda L. Wood on Twitter. Have you ever had a day where you want to do a completely different job for a while? let your calling rest or fulfill a desire to try something new. Yes. Every two or three months, I (laughs) (laughs) quit this business. And if I had a dream and I had a bottomless pocket of ducats, I would be one of those bookstore owners with a lot of rare books. I love the smell of paper, stationery, stickers, gold embossed, whatever, you name it. And I'd love to have like a little um, tea station in the back. And that's, it just seems right for me. It seems cozy. It seems like a place for gathering, but still learning, but still having great discussions. Um, I don't know if the world has room for that anymore. I hope that it does. Um, But when I close my eyes and go, oh, I'm pooped. Performing is exhausting. And I don't, you know, question, 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 question. I always see myself in sort of a little small Victorian, you know, almost like a home, a three-roomed home. And that's what it is. Just glorious books, big puffy chairs, a cup of tea, and stationary, stationary galore. I never knew that about you. Mm -hmm. I knew the tea thing. But Mm -hmm. I never knew that you'd want an old bookstore. That's really cool. Sometimes I just walk into them just so I can smell it. I miss it. I write down all my notes still in a paper journal. I still have a paper calendar where I write down what's happening in the day. There's also something so um, meditative for me about writing something down. How a pen feels is really Mm -hmm. important in my hand. Like I will make sure that I spend a nice amount of money for how the ink touches the paper and how it flows and that there's no interruption in the line or the flow of the ink. I pride myself on my handwriting. I love my pen. Yeah, you have the best handwriting. It feels like an extension of who I am. So yeah, I place a lot of importance on all of the components and tools that would make this little shop so special. And I Do you collect first edition books? Not really, but do I love them in my hand and do they feel different? Yes. Does the spine feel different of a first edition book than something you would buy on Amazon now? Yeah. The sewing in the crease or the spine of every book. I love when you can turn a page and you can actually see the threading in the, it just, it's beautiful to me. And I'm also, I like to welcome people to my home and not necessarily entertain, but just have the doors open, know that those people whom I've invited or are welcome into my space, they look around and go, oh, wow, she took the time to prepare. She took the time to make it beautiful. She took the time to, I don't know, place importance on who I am. And I feel like 
again, having a store like that would um, enrich people's lives just because they felt like they were welcomed there and it was handled with care and attention. I miss that. The method of it all, the, the care of it all, the attention of it all. I thrive. I thrive on it. It's sharing a part of yourself. People don't entertain the way they used to. We, I, I throw tons and tons of parties and I have all the time. And I'm, I'm always saying, are people having parties and we're just not invited or are people just not having parties? I don't think they are. I just don't think people, they don't entertain anymore. They don't have people over and take that time to do the little details. And and if you go back, yeah. right, our letter writing back and forth, that yes. held such importance to me. Yeah. I still write handwritten cards for people on Valentine's Day and Halloween and, you know, 200 Christmas cards, 250 Christmas cards go out. And even if it is just a snapshot of my family on the back, there yeah. will be a handwritten personal message to yeah. that individual. I know when I receive a letter that's written in somebody's hand, I mean, my day changes because someone stopped, they thought, they took the time to address it lovingly and stamp it. And I don't know, I'm holding on to something, but it really does fill my guts. And I, I, I think it's something we're missing in this yeah, society. I think it's a lost art. I remember you came to a, a party I had once on my lawn and um, I, I, ha I do so many details that I even had gift bags for the dogs. Do you remember that? I had I a little macaco that. gift bag because I, I let everybody that. bring their dogs to my parties. And then I had gift bags with dog treats and gift bags for every child. Like I just found so much joy in those little details and stuff. I mean, I'm a little burnt out now because it's 15 years of it, but I loved it. I loved yeah. it for a long, long time. It takes a lot of effort. But my husband also loves old books. He has every book he's ever purchased. He uses them like a journal. So in his book, he writes his name, the date and who he was with when he bought it and like why. So he has stacks of books, boxes filled with books because he won't throw any of them away. Okay. So what about your career? Oh, oh, is that where this question started? Um, yeah, I know. Welcome to our podcast that just goes off to left field tangent land. I would have an animal rescue. I've said it before. I don't know if it would be like a wild animal rescue in the middle of Africa or if it would just be a dog rescue. I know that sounds so unoriginal because it's all I ever talk about is animals and theater. Um, it's your passion. Those are my two things. Nan Kane at Nanite53 on Instagram and Twitter. Stephanie, do you feel pressure to live your life in a specific way because so many people look up to you? How do you keep your how do you keep your life private when you're constantly being watched? Is it kind of freaky? How do you stay grounded? It has escalated well beyond anything I could have ever predicted. So I brought it on myself, man. I'm a hugger. I actually have socks that say, beware, I will fucking hug you. Um, and that's how it started, that when I would meet people, I was just so grateful and almost shocked that they bought a ticket to my solo show at Birdland, or they were actually waiting at the stage door for me. And in feeling that sort of overwhelming place of, of awe and gratitude, I just had, would have to physically hug people. So then it became, you need to get a hug from Stephanie. Cause I, it's like a koala hug. I hold mm -hmm. on long and strong people. And 
then that became me knowing little things about your life, whether somebody graduated from a particular college or if their uh, grandmother or grandfather might be struggling with an ailment. So yes, this was all before really social media came into play. So I love obviously human connection, hence the podcast. I love looking at someone in the eyes and wanting to know where they are in that moment, in that day. And it's important to me, but there is a limit to how much a spirit can take on, um, from the stage door or from social media. And little by little, I had to kind of, you know, uh, peel back a bit. Vivian set that into super drive, mm. um, having a child, then all of a sudden, if there is a pie to your life, which we were talking about before, I believe it was with, uh, Mandy Gonzalez having mm-hmm. that pie. And that also, that image stuck with me. Vivian started to take up a good chunk of the pie and rightly, rightly so. And because of that, I still wanted to honor those that supported me and my craft, but no, I couldn't invest as much socially with them because of this new little person in my life. Um, So it is a balance. It is uh, uh, every single opportunity or every single experience uh, takes on a different sort of conversation in my head with what do I honestly have time for? What do I honestly have space for and energy for? And then I try to just meet the moment or the opportunity uh, in truth. If I do that, then I don't get overwhelmed. If I feel the sense of, I have to do this because this is what they're expecting. And again, it's kind of just a universal or blanketed they're expecting. Um, If I do that to myself, yeah, it certainly does become overwhelming. So every moment is just in truth. And then I let it lead from there. This one is from my friend, Alexa. Um, So from Alexa Lampy, for young actors and performers, do you think it's necessary to go to a college to be successful in the performing arts field? What are your thoughts on actor training programs? This is an asterisk. Disclaimer to all parents who wish to have their children go to a university or a college. We are not proposing that they don't, nor do we encourage them not to go to a university or college. (laughs) And now our answer. No, you do not need to go to a university or college. My experience it has been practical learning is invaluable for our industry. I do believe that the college or university experience is highly important for those that are wanting to get out from under the roof of um parents or caregivers and want to take flight and find their own wing space and to find their own voice and their own sort of walk through life. I think that's vastly important. If you're going to be an artist, you have to know who you are. So if those two to four years, six years, eight years, that's the space in which you do that, then it's worth every penny and worth every moment. But I feel that, oh, here we go. You still have to learn. You still have to train. 
but that can be done privately. That can be done with an excellent, you know, acting studio or a, a voice coach or voice teacher. Those disciplines can be learned and it doesn't have to happen in a particular institution that will then accredit you with a diploma, if that makes sense. So learning is a must training is a must and continual. I'm still taking voice lessons, people. I will still go to an acting class. Not that, you know, who am I? It's not like I'm the the best. I'm Celine Dion, the best singer in the entire world. Um, But I do believe that learning and growing in all aspects of your life and especially your craft is wildly important and a must. I just don't know if a college or university is a must. Hmm. I have a different perspective. I think college and university is a must, but I don't necessarily think it needs to be an actor training program. I think getting out, putting yourself in a, in a university or college situation is so good when you're a young person, because you start to realize people think differently than in your little town and in your little family. And you, you start to learn just more diverse ways of looking at the world. So for me, going to college was, I was the first kid in my family to go to college and change the trajectory of my life. So for me, I think it is super important to go out and go away from home and go to college for that. But can travel do that? I'm asking you as a woman who no, also because I college, think, but also has traveled the world. No, I, I mean, yes, I love, tra- I love traveling and I think there's so much to learn. But I think when you're young, being in a situation where you're forced to be partially responsible and, and have things that are due at a certain time and because I think when you're young, if you travel, you might just be having a party Staying on and, a beach and yeah. ordering pizza. Exactly. Because yeah. I yeah. did travel after college and I didn't learn that much. I had a great time, but I didn't learn. I didn't take the time to really understand the culture and all of that. Not until I got older. So I don't necessarily think that theater programs are a must. I think a, a few things here and there are really important to learn, you know, how things work. But I think the more you learn about anything the better actor you're going to be. And the more you have the ability to go out and earn a living as anything other than an actor, the less desperate you're going to be when you get into the field. I I think you have to learn how to run a business so that you can start a podcast or start a production company or start a theater. I think you need to learn how to write. You have to learn how to write and be a really good writer. So I do think college is a must, but I don't think a musical or theater program is a must. Okay. I'm going back. I'm going to ask you another question. So let's say you're self-driven and you're willing to read the books, attend the courses, show up for deep conversations, which leads you to another book, which helps inspire you and lends you to grow and expand your mind. I need to know what habits are only particular to a learning institution like a college or a university that you gain, those habits that will carry you through that you can't learn anywhere else? So from my perspective, right? I literally, when I went to school, my dad said to me, why are you going to college? You're just going to get married. (laughs) Okay. So where you come from matters, right? So if If I didn't go to college, I might have just gotten married out of high school like a lot of my friends did. And I never would have pursued the things that I wanted to pursue because I wouldn't have had the courage to leave. College gave me that courage. Okay. College gave me the discipline to get up in the morning, pick for myself what I was going to do, and then follow through. 
I think the biggest mistake I made in college was working full-time. I, I worked 40 hours a week well, full-time most, yeah, while most, I went to college. Most students have to. But 40 That's, hours. I mean, it was a full-time job and a full-time college experience. That's where I went wrong. I wish that I got more involved in the things that the school offered, but I had a limited perspective. So I think it depends where you're coming from, right? If you come from a family that maybe has instilled that love of learning and and you have the self-determination to go do what you did stuff, I I think that's great. But I didn't have that. So college changed my life. I think it's very individual, very individual. But I do think you're right. It's about learning how to learn and being mm-hmm. passionate about mm-hmm. learning something, whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is. You cannot be stagnant. And no. maybe that's what it is. That college allows you to get out from this sort of stagnation. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? See, I didn't go to college. Yeah, stagnation. <laughs> to sit there for, for so long in your family home or whoever mm-hmm. is, is giving you care and saying, I'm going to transition into something different, which is going to shake my life up, which yeah. is going to then show me how I operate and yeah. that's the growth you're looking for. And you have to take responsibility for your for your own experience too while you're there, right? You have to be oh, yeah. willing to go in search of every opportunity. I remember when I was interviewing you, Saren, for this job, you said to me, I was hanging up and you said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And you said, what would you do differently to make your Emerson College experience better? What would you have done different? And I said, Saren, the fact that you're asking me that question tells me that you're going to do everything you need to do to make your Emerson College experience amazing because you're thinking that way already. She so, hung up the phone, Saren, and she yeah, hung up. I was like, she's found like, her, found I found her. her. I found her. Found her. She's the best. Mark, she's inquisitive. She's, adorable. she's open. She's proficient. Like <laughs> yeah. it was done. A done deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and I thought this would be a nice one to end on. Um, so from at underscore Miranda dot Savadra. I'm not sorry, Miranda. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, on Instagram. Uh, how did you learn to love where you are now and how can we do it too? It's really the theme of this entire episode. If you wake up in gratitude and service, if you can do that, I promise you will love where you are now because you're taking into account and paying attention to the many, many blessings in your life. And I don't, honestly, I have to say this. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are. You have so many blessings. You just have to pay attention to them. I completely agree with everything you just said. It's, it is all about gratitude. It totally is. And in a yoga class, what I always leave at the end of the class and tell people to say is when you go to bed at night, ask yourself three times, how may I serve? Because the only thing that brings you into the present, keeps you grateful is service to others in little ways. It doesn't have to be, little this, ways. you don't have to dedicate your life to, you know, doing gigantic things, little nope. things. There's this, this wonderful thought, and it's that everything is energy. Energy follows thought. Thought becomes belief. Belief creates reality. Reality determines your destiny. You have the power to decide that you're going to love where you are now, that you're going to find something to love about where you are now. And it doesn't mean that you spend every day 
feeling so much gratitude and looking in the mirror and thanking yourself. No, No, but it's a practice. It's a yoga practice. You practice what you want your destiny to become. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our theme song says, love where you are now, but sometimes we all need a little help. I've learned from therapy and in my yoga practice that growth comes from challenges. A good therapist can help you reframe the way you look at a challenge and your life. And BetterHelp can provide you with a therapist that gives you some tools to navigate. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can reach a therapist in under 48 hours. And right now, Stages cast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp, so don't wait. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages, and love where you are now. Stages Podcast is sponsored by Glaze. A good hair day can make you feel great. And I'm one of those people that rarely takes the time to do my hair. Seriously, I wake up and go most days. So I tried Glaze Super Gloss. It's a semi-permanent super color conditioning gloss. And I have to say, yes. It takes 10 minutes and it leaves your hair looking vibrant and silkier and smoother. It's so quick and super easy. I wake up and go, and this is the kind of thing that I look for. It's not a hair dye, so there's no mixing, no damage to your hair and it lasts up to 10 washes. Glaze Super Gloss is 100% vegan, cruelty-free, which you know is very important to me. The packaging is recyclable, also very important. It comes in nine gorgeous, lustrous shades. I tried Pearl Blonde, loved it. And Glaze Super Gloss has zero parabens, zero silicones, zero ammonia, and zero sulfates. So you don't have to worry about what you're putting on your body or rinsing down the drain back into the earth. All this, for only $16. And right now, Glaze is offering Stages listeners 15% off your order. So log on to Glaze Hair, that's G-L-A-Z-E hair.co, not com, just co, and use the code STAGES15 at checkout. Remember, when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to glazehair.co and don't forget the code STAGES15 at checkout. You'll look great for the holidays. And now, Back to the show. And now it's time for the five questions. If you could go back and talk to your teenage self, what advice would you give her? What would you say to her? Stop apologizing for who you are and embrace it. You don't have to be anything for anyone. Be who you are. I think I would, I don't know if my teenage self would listen, but I'd say, People will see your heart more than your face. Mm. Your heart is so beautiful and they will see that. They will. Makes me want to cry. Do you have a good luck charm or ritual for you go on stage, make a decision, anything like that? I have a a, a breath that I do. It's called the three-part Taoist breath. And it's just a breathing movement thing that, totally centers me for some reason. It makes my heart open up and it just reminds me that you're a part of something bigger than just you. So it reminds me of that. I do sage every dressing room. I Mm. believe in energies that linger. So I definitely sage. And with that, I am a woman of prayer. So I pray in every corner with that sage, blessing it. 
I bless the doorway to my dressing room so that everyone who enters is entering with kindness and clarity and um, an open heart. And I go out center stage. Uh, usually first thing when I'm walking into the theater, I'm usually the first you know actor there. And um, I look at every seat and I bless every seat, hoping that each person receives what they need to receive that night in that performance. And then right before I go on stage, uh, I fell in love with a young man when I was 14 and I loved him until I was 23. Uh, we started dating when I was 21 and he passed away tragically. But before he passed, he wrote me a card that said, just tell the story. So mm -hmm. I kind of envision him. And right before I go on stage, I literally just say, just tell the story. Oh, that's and then so I run sweet. On. I love that. Did you have a nickname as a kid? If you did, who gave it to you and why? I did. I did. My nickname was Boo. My dad gave it to me. He called me Booska. And so from my whole childhood, everybody called me Boo. Even to this day, my childhood friends call me Boo. Oh my gosh. All my nieces and nephews call me Boo. My cousins, Boo. Boo. That's fun. My dad gave me the nickname Stink. Hey, Stink. Hey, Stinky. And it goes back to, a, I guess, a terrible explosive diaper. So I didn't really want to hang on to that nickname. And then it was, you know, more or less names that I was teased. Blockhead, which is funny, right? That comes from the Charles Schultz peanuts. They would call Charlie Brown. Oh, you blockhead. Um, but now my dear, sweet, loyal fan base, they call themselves blockheads. So the connotation mm -hmm. has changed from something that's not great when I was in grade school to now something that I take great pride and I'm so grateful for. And then Seb, I always wanted a boy's name. I wanted to be Samantha to be called Sam or Charlotte to be called Charlie. And he's like, oh, you have it. It's Finn, Stephanie. So he calls me Finn. Only human on the in the world, P H I N Finn. If you could have any skill, supernatural or otherwise, what would it be? I think I'd like to time travel. That's a great answer. I yeah. really, I I find myself constantly looking at pictures. Not that I'm living in the past, but I just love to go back and touch base on special moments or when Vivi was a particular age or, you know, the day that I got married. And so in I would love to just, if I had control of it, right. I don't want to be the time traveler's wife and it's just out of control. <laughs> I want to be able to dial in, drop into that day or that emotion or that dress or whatever, and then pop back into reality. Yeah, that is a really cool one. I would love to have that, but I think mine would be, I, I would want to talk to animals. I think animals hold a lot of secrets to the questions that we seek, <laughs> but we don't listen. We don't observe. We don't care. We assume that we're more evolved. Yeah. We're the superior but, species, exactly. but I don't think that's true. I mean, if you ever looked into a gorilla's eyes, they hold a key to something that we cannot understand. I, and I would love to just be able to really communicate, like really understand what they think and what they are saying, and then be able to say something back. I would mm. love that. The last question. This one I thought about. This one See, I really thought about. I'm still stumped. <laughs> if you were a nail polish color, what would the color be? And what would the cheeky little name be? Mine would be 
And boy, did I go through the whole spectrum of colors. I really think it would be like a, a silver or a, a metallic slate, right? So it does have some sheen to it. And it's called indecision, but not meaning indecisive. I am in that decision. Mm, you, nice. You're all I'm in. Strong. I'm all in. You're not questioning yourself. No. I like it. Well, way back when, when we were fooling around with that question, my answer was that the, the color would be tie-dye and it would be Earth Mama. But I don't know if that's, I think I like the name. What I started doing every time we asked the question of a guest, I would go out that week and get my nails painted the color the guest said. You I would? Wanted, yeah. And then I, a lot of times I sent a picture of my nails to them that I did your color. I just wanted to see why they would pick that color. So it kind of changed my idea about my, like what color I would be. I think I would be um, a kind of deep red, even though I rarely paint them red, but I think it would be earth. I just, Mm. I I feel like, you know, I'd want to be really connected. And red is the first chakra, which is root, which is earth. So I think it would be, that's at first it went from tie dye, but I think it would be red earth. Love it. Okay. We're going to ask you the same question. Saren, if you were a nail polish color, what's the color and what's the cheeky little name? I did not come prepared. I know. I know. That's the That's what you get, Saren. You got to be ready. You got to be ready, little mama. Well, I often paint my nails quite neutral colors, you know. I love like a blush or like some sort of beige or tan. Um, I'm not like a big, I don't really like colors on my nails, but I don't think like me personally, I would be like a neutral color. I have like a big personality, yes. a little loud, a little annoying, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to have to go with like a, almost like a very like sunshiny yellow. Mm. Um, that suits you actually. It does. Yeah, I think so as well. Well, I choose yellow because I'm really big into astrology and that's like sort of how I see the world. Um, and I'm a Gemini sun, Leo moon and rising. And I feel like that is such a yellow yeah. big three as like we sort of like to say, your sun, moon and rising. It would just be Leo moon. Leo moon. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Can me you do my, my birth chart and all that? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. You can. Will you do yeah, it? I'm going to send I you do, my stuff. I, I do readings. Yeah. <gasps> oh, I still want you to do me. You'll do it. You promise? Yeah, of course. Oh my God. I can't wait. I love this podcast. I'm so grateful for, you know, the whole community that comes together to listen, our guests that give up of their time and of their spirit, because I feel these these conversations, again, are far more than what's the funniest thing that happened to you on stage, you know? We get to go deeper and it has really filled a space in my creative spirit that I was searching for. So holy smokes. Thank you, Mary Lee. Thank you, Saren. Thank you to our cast members. And um, thank you for me. It's the Holy Spirit that I think led me here. I'm very, very grateful. I feel the same way. I I really do. I'm grateful every day that you said yes, when I threw this ridiculous idea out there. And I'm grateful 
I had the courage to ignore the whispers that were saying, what are you crazy? You don't know how to do a podcast and you don't know how to edit and you don't know how to do this. I'm grateful that I decided to put that little voice away and jump and just say, I'm going to try something new because why the heck not? I'm having the best time. Me too. Everybody, happy, happy Turkey Day. Happy, happy gathering. Be close to the ones you love. Eat delicious food. And just, if you can, sit in gratitude. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.